Hey, welcome back to That's a Tough One, the toughest podcast bringing you tough topics with extremely tough people, including myself, JD, and we have Morgan. Morgan! Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I also feel like our our podcast is pretty nice, too. Not just tough. Yeah, yeah. We're pretty nice people. We are are nice. Mm -hmm. You are really nice. Thank you. I appreciate Mm -hmm. it. I appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're going to appreciate each other as we go in and just start talking, jamming on the one. Jamming on the one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, are you supposed to, you're supposed to be on the twos and fours, not the one and threes, right? Yeah, but you know. Okay. I always get that saying mixed up. Sure, on the twos and fours, I think. Hey, I don't even know, man. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And even greater is, um, do you have any updates or anything? I do not have an update right now. I want to say you better know you better know thousand. I ain't never heard no update. <laughs> I think I did have one, mm-hmm. but we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks, so it may be uh, old news at this point. So we'll say it before another time. I'm gonna say it's not old to our people that are listening. Give them people an update. That's true. I'll let you go ahead and go first. I'm gonna show first mini. Oh, okay. And then I'll see if I can find the update I had originally. Well, what's important is there was what they called a Winter Olympics. It was? No. <laughs> Nobody actually knows it happened, but there was a Winter Olympics. But I just have a story from there, uh, from mm-hmm. Rolling Stone. The headline, uh, Finnish skier suffers frozen penis during cross-country <laughs> event at Beijing Olympics. That is not funny, and I don't know why I laughed, but that is a... How long was he out there skiing for to his... <laughs> oh, sir. Come on now. I got mild frostbite on my penis. Should I continue? Um, he was in a cross-country uh, skiing event that is typically 50 kilometers, but it was so cold. How that long is 50 kilometers? Real long. Okay. I think under 50 miles. Somewhere, okay. Somewhere like okay, that. so that's a, that's a long time to be outside. Yeah, and, and apparently the conditions were so cold that they started the race an uh, hour later and reduced the the length of the race to 30 kilometers. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is crazy. I, I, don't, I don't hear them doing that for real events. Well, that's a tough situation to be in because it's like you can't cancel the event because we're talking about the Olympics and people have traveled all the way around the world to do this. So it's like you can't cancel it. But then on the other hand, it is dangerous conditions. So I guess like if you choose to participate, then you just assume the risks that come with participated <laughs> yeah I, I feel like you have to assume the risk uh unfortunately because of course you don't want to risk people's health but mm-hmm. i feel like if it, if it was a hot day for the marathon and it was an unseasonably hot day like it, it probably still running like hey it's, it's the olympics y'all the best in the world if you want to compete you can compete yeah yeah wow so was he able to uh i guess fully healed from from the frozen penis or i'm not sure okay how he was if he was able to fully i'm assuming he was able to fully heal it didn't say it just said hey there was a lot of discomfort especially in the the process of warming his body back up after the race you know oh that's the worst like when you are really cold and then you come back inside and you have to like kind of feel all your limbs come back to life so i could imagine exactly that's when he noticed there was something probably a little wrong like you know everything was tangling but everything was kind of coming back and one thing was hurting a little more than the others. Uh, a stood pee pee. He did. He finished. He didn't. 
he didn't lose the race. Okay. But he didn't win. He finished the middle of the pack. He finished the 28th place. With a, well, in pain, I would assume, too. So good for him. <laughs> I mean, that's good that he was able to, you know, finish, push through. He, he, did, he definitely did push through. And apparently this wasn't the first time this has happened to him. He, uh, he, this, I think last year he also suffered kind of a similar fate having a frozen pee-pee. So... <laughs> I don't know if he needs to change. This ain't the event for him then. <laughs> he got a maybe he just has a like a blood flow issue. Yeah, maybe he or needs to wear like a, a sleeve or something. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know because I know they wear typically skin tight uniforms as they're doing all this uh, cross country skiing. But wow. I, 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 I maybe I need maybe you should just buy a special underwear would be my suggestion. Mm-hmm. I, don't want, I don't want anybody to have a frozen PPE, especially when you're trying to compete <laughs> against the best in the world. Wow. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, though, he was able to watch his um hit the Finnish men's hockey team win gold, the gold medal. Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at least there was a little little silver lining in there. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to wish him a, a swift recovery. <laughs> Yes, he, complete restoration and healing of his pee-pee. Yeah, you go to the masseuse and say, I, I, it's a medical reason I need this massage. No, I don't <laughs> think you need to go to the masseuse for that. You're right, chiropractor, chiropractor. I don't, mm, okay. I think that might, that might be something you get advised by a doctor, then you go home and you take care of it yourself. Mm-hmm, I, need, I need a professional. No, okay. <laughs> but do you have a story for us? Okay, I found my update. Hey. Um, so, what? Uh, might have been like three weeks ago. We talked about Woodside, California, and they were the town that um, decided to zone themselves as a mountain lion habitat, uh, habitat so they didn't have to get the affordable housing built in their community. Mm-hmm. And so it turns out that that plan did not work. Um, no. So one of the biggest reason was that you can't establish a, a animal habitat in an environment that already has established like buildings and roads and structures so it would be different if it was like a completely wooded area and somebody wanted to come in and build uh and they said no no this is we're zoning this as a habitat so you can't build but it's already like residents there Mm -hmm. and and things like that so that was the most that was like the nail in the coffin but the other issue is that if they were able to um to like use that law as an exclusionary law for the animal habitat it would have applied to a lot of the coasts of California um, from like south of San Francisco, uh, L.A., Orange County and San Diego County. So they would have basically impacted the affordable housing in a big chunk of the state that is already having a lot of problems um, with housing. They have a housing shortage and an affordable housing shortage, most, most importantly. So they're really trying to make it so a lot of these communities that want to be um, still pretty like exclusive and uh, cater to more wealthy people like you have to accept some of this affordable housing because the people of the people of california have to have somewhere to live if they can't afford an eight hundred thousand dollar house or a million dollar house or whatever and i know people make more money in california but that's not everybody you know and at a certain point even if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year for the cost of living, a hundred thousand dollars a year may not be that much money. Yeah, that, and that's what I feel like they always forget. Like, of course, there are people who are extremely wealthy with generations of wealth or an ungodly amount of money, and they can afford to have people 
uh, you know, helpers and stuff living in the house. We can afford to have a chef come in four nights a week and all that cool mm-hmm. stuff. But when you're somebody that's, um, like, you're, you're well off, you got a well paying job. Say you do make like a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, but you can't afford to have a whole other person live in your house cooking all your meals. But you can afford to go out if nobody, if the restaurants and stuff don't have anybody, yeah, that live nearby to work in there, or your coffee shop can't fund the full staff. So you got to have a forty minute wait every time you just want a black coffee. It's the right. small things that just add up when you exclude people from your community. Yeah, and it just it just makes everything harder for people, you know, to be able to live within I would say thirty minutes of where you work is really important, especially if you add in things like kids being able to get your kids to school being able to sleep eight hours a night um you know not being in trouble if there's a car accident and now you're an hour and a half late to work something that's out of your control and like the further you commute the more of a likelihood is that you'll have problems like that Mm -hmm. and so i mean they're not talking about even section eight housing which of course i don't have an i don't have a problem with that because i think everybody deserves right to somewhere to live and that's affordable but they're talking about just building duplexes. So we're we're not saying that they want that even they're not talking about low income people who they associate with crime. They're talking about your average person who works at Disneyland or, mm-hmm. you know, somebody like you say, like a restaurant manager or something like somebody who's not making a ton of money, but they still need somewhere to live. And so I'm happy that California is kind of pushing back and saying, no, act, you know, we're not going to become a state where you have to be extremely wealthy to afford to live here. And we have people who work full-time jobs who are sleeping in their cars, which they already have a problem with. So, you know, um, I'm glad it was struck down. Mm-hmm. They'll be okay if they have to see a, a, a poor person wearing $60 jeans oh. in, their, in their Nordstrom rack or whatever, or, their, or there's a Nordstrom rack, God forbid, in the community. Like, oh they'll God. be okay. I, I don't have any sympathy for these people. I don't like a TJ Maxx. That goes to neighborhood. Oh my god! <laughs> they should have been like, "Oh, y'all want to be a mountain lion preserve? We just release them all into your community. <laughs> Good luck getting into your car." Every inch of mountain lion we found, we nursed the health and release out there. Yep. Um. So, do you have another menu for us today? Uh, I do not. Do you have anything for us? Uh, no. I want you to go ahead and get into your first story. I have two stories today. All right. All right. Well, I'll just jump right in. A story from Up Rocks. The headline. Soldier Boy and Little Yachty are being sued over alleged cryptocurrency scam. What? And I kind of have a problem. We talked about this a little bit in our personal time, but I kind of have a problem with that headline because we're going to pick out the two rappers, but it also mentions um, one of the Backstreet Boys. I think Nick was involved in it. Let me make sure. I want to say the right Backstreet Boy. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> but uh, definitely Jake Paul was uh, the most fam- one of the most famous boxers in the world somehow was involved with it and oh because you know what this is interesting because when you said that i was gonna say oh well they're more famous than the backstreet boys so it makes sense that they would put the two most famous people involved in the headline but then when you said jake paul it's like okay well jake paul is definitely more famous than they are yes yes Mm, okay we're gonna put the two rappers and it says the two atlanta rappers along with youtubers jake paul and ben phillips as well as former backstreet boy nick carter um, they were all named as promoters in the cryptocurrency, which was founded by uh, Braden John Carney in exchange for tokens. Oh, that's your first mistake, uh, paying money into a company founded by somebody named Braden. <laughs> <laughs> and, here, and here's the problem that, that I have with these these little 
cryptocurrencies and everybody thinks it's cool. Um, and it is cool. Like, hey, we're going to have a deregularized um, form of spending money. But I never see or hear anybody talk about I have a cryptocurrency and I use it to buy X, Y, and Z. Now, I see that sometimes with Bitcoins. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially probably probably more back in the day than I, than I do actually so do now. You're saying it's a problem if people are talking about a cryptocurrency, but it's not being used as a currency. It's primarily being used to trade and make money, but it's yes. not being used to, to engage like in purchasing goods or experiences or whatever. Okay. Yeah. That's like you're, you're not, you're not using it for anything itself. Yeah. Hoping it goes up so you can spend it. And, it, and it, it's what the, it's what the cool people on the street are calling a pump and dump. Mm. When the the cryptocurrency hires these influencers, you know, famous people, musicians, mm. uh, like the people named in this article, tell them to promote it on their social media, and they, they always say the same thing: "Hey, this is not financial advice, but if I were you, I would buy X, Y, and Z currency or whatever, uh, Snowfall currency, uh, mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, Dragons currency, anything." And then all these people think, "Okay, well." If Jake Paul's telling me to do this, or if Little Yachty's telling me to do this, it's probably a good idea. They have the, they're rich, so they know what to do with their money. Mm. So you got people that that don't have a ton of money. They spend five hundred dollars. That can be most of their savings. Like right, I, I save right. up eight hundred dollars. I know this is gonna go up in value. You're literally buying it on. It's it's pennies. It's a difference in this. Like yeah. it, it's worth each cryptocurrency is worth not even half a penny, but you buy it. And then a bunch of people buy it, and then these people who are at the top, like the people who own it, the people who are promoting it, that's their time to sell it at its highest on the pennies. Then it drops to even lower pennies mm-hmm. that it's worth. So you just lost uh, a twentieth of a penny on something that was already under a penny. Well, it's so interesting to me how people have always done this. So, like as you were talking, I thought about. Back when they first started, you know, like settlers first started mining gold, um, when they first started mining gold in California and there was like people who were striking it rich and there were people who were putting fake gold or they were sprinkling gold into places to get people to move there. And they say, well, maybe if they find a little gold, they'll start digging and then it's a chance they could actually find real gold, Mm -hmm. but we can at least make some money off him while they buy it from our stores until they realize there's no gold here. And it's like people, as long as there has been a person to think of a get rich quick scheme and maybe a few people make money off of it, like the, like the few people who did make money off of Bitcoin because they got in early or whatever, or they invested wisely. You need maybe a few examples. And then here comes a flood of gullible people who want to make money too and get rich quick too. And they're going to end up kind of like fueling the pyramid scheme. Yeah. So like, it's going to be people who are taking advantage of those people at the top making the most money, but your average person is not going to make enough money or to really make it worth it, or they're going to lose money in this. And this is not the first scheme like that. You know, it's just as long as people have been around, it's always been people who are trying to figure out how to make money quick and somebody willing to, to take that money from them. Yeah, and I just want people to see it. It's like, I, hey, I'm not, a, I'm not a financial maven. I can't, I don't know all the cool terms that make it sound legit, but we got to, I want to, I want people to use their common sense. Like you have these musicians and influencers, 
Uh, I think even Kim Kardashian had an uh had a coin. They they always put the same thing in it. Uh, hey, this isn't financial advice, but this coin is going to be the next big mm-hmm. thing. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. that coin disappears. Right. Oh, uh, uh, we got to use our common sense, guys. Like these people, they don't care if you make money. But they're making quick money. They're making yeah, they're quick making, money. Mm-hmm. But you're not making. It's not. Nothing is designed for everybody to be able to make a million dollars off of something on. If it's a hundred people invested, a hundred people cannot make a hundred million dollars. You know, unless it's we talking about super rich people like pharmaceuticals or whatever. But the only way, the best way that you're gonna make a million dollars really quickly is like the Wordle guy did. You invent something, it takes off, and you sell it, and you make a lot of money. Yes. You have an idea. It's you. If somebody invests in it. You know, you design an app or or an invention or something. That's probably the only thing I can think of that's like a really quick way to pop off and make a lot of money or i guess the next thing will be social media Mm. you have a channel or something some type of content that pops off and you get a lot of viewers but yeah it's whether it's selling leggings uh herbalife wax melts all that type of stuff yeah it's always gonna be a couple people making a lot of money but most people are not yeah and in terms of safe move a couple people did make a lot of money because after they did their pump and dump and everybody um, pull pull all their money out, out of it. Mm-hmm. All the people at the head of the company all just all of a sudden resigned and quit. Yeah. All the head people, they all, it, it, and that should be a warning to every cryptocurrency. Like, just because the island boys say, hey, buy <laughs> this. Like, really, really look at them, young, young person. Are these people you really think you should be taking financial advice from? Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, everybody nowadays scams are so sophisticated Mm -hmm. every once in a while you might be a person who falls for a scam and that's fine but i think the thing is you want to try to minimize how much money you lose or like if you take a risk it's the same thing as gambling or playing the stock market like you know start small don't take your whole entire life savings or your rent money and put it into something and then you you're left destitute because it's like literally no it's nothing anybody can do to help you get that money back so if you do make a mistake and you invested in a in a cryptocurrency and it folded, you know, charge it to the game. Just learn from it and don't and don't reinvest and keep trying to recoup your money there. It's gone. No. Just move on. Yeah, know? yeah. You got you got to realize in, in, in any investment, if you're not prepared to lose that money, or if that if you lose the money you have, it will just destitute you. It's, mm-hmm. Just don't even do it. It's not even worth it because you can't you can't afford to lose it. If you lose it, what's gonna happen? So when I go to the casino, I'll I'm, I'm, I be like, all right, I'm going to play. Am I playing $5, $10, and $20? And once I lose that money, I'm I'm walking away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. it's fun to try. It never hurts to try, you know. But I'm not going to put my whole rent check down, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, you can, and you can put it down, but if you lose and you get kicked out of your apartment, don't blame don't blame anybody else. You made, you made it a decision. As long as you're willing to live with it, hey, I'm, hey, I'm, it's all good. And see, I'm not willing to live with it. That's why I can't <laughs> do it. Cause I, oh man, I'd be so sick. Mm-hmm. Oh lord. Please, at the end of the day, just please don't buy any, don't buy any cryptocurrency unless you're doing your, unless you're doing research into how the market's performing, and especially if 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 nobody's ever used that currency to buy anything. It is not worth it. I promise you that. Or at least barter with it. You're not even bartering with it because it's worth a quarter of a penny. 
it's not going to make it to a dollar. Dogecoin yeah. only made it to a dollar because it became a meme and everybody started tra- trading it and it got really high. And you don't even hear about that anymore. I think it's one of those things where, like, by the time it gets popular enough to where it's in the mainstream, it's probably already too late to make money off of it. Or, like, you know, kind of like how Benny, Beanie Babies were back in the day. And people spent so much money collecting all these Beanie Babies and then the bubble burst and then they couldn't, they couldn't give them away if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. It was like, by the time it's really popular, it, it's already it's already too late. Yeah. So, yeah, those I think those celebrities, like I know Matt Damon was probably the biggest name. I saw he had a whole super long commercial, and at the end of it, we were like, oh, this is for crypto? That's crazy. Like, they probably paid this man a million dollars to get that little su- stupid speech over some crypto, and I couldn't even tell you what the currency was. <laughs> no, it was, just, I think it was just for like a, like your little crypto wallet, so you can't, oh, you can trade crypto. okay, okay. So... I mean, it's smart. Hey, I'm just telling you, you have a wallet to trade the crypto, not to buy any specific one, but you buy the wrong one. You can buy $5 of a a weak crypto, and that $5 might turn to $5,000, or it might turn to zero, which is which mm-hmm. you think is more likely to happen. Leave it at that. Oh, boy. <laughs> but you got a, you got another story for us? I do. I have a story. And I'm, I'm really excited because I'm not an expert on this topic, so I want to get your your take on this. What's uh, going on? What's going on? Um, and so this article comes from Saturday Down South uh, a couple of days ago, and the title is, College football attendance continues to decline, but one SEC team stands as an outlier. What team do you think that is? That stands as an outlier? I would probably say, oh. I feel like it's going to throw a loop. I'm going to say uh, Alabama. Nope. You um, want one more guess? Let me get one more guess. <laughs> uh, SEC team who they're crazy loyal for no good reason. Texas A&M? Arkansas. Arkansas. Uh, you know what? That makes sense. Ain't nothing to do in Arkansas. <laughs> so, um, this had, and when I first saw this article, I'm like, oh, duh, obviously COVID. But, in fact, the numbers for college football attendance have been on the decline for seven years in a row. Mm. And so I thought that was really interesting. And of course there are outliers. There are definitely, you know, games that happen every year where it's really hard to get tickets and they're, you know, they pack the stadium. So it's not to say that you're going to turn on the TV and you're seeing empty stadiums, but the attendance has been on the decline. Um, Some places more noticeably than others. So some places it's like 70, 70 seats. They're losing a season. And in other places it's, it's more noticeable. Mm -hmm. Um, so they, I guess they've been tracking the score since, I mean, the attendance since 1976. Um, and like I said earlier, Arkansas seeing, they actually saw their highest attendance last year in 2021. They had one of their best seasons that year, so I can see that. Okay. About 14,000 fans per game, uh, compared to the last full season where they didn't have as many. So I'm guessing that's like you said, winning also always makes people come in and want to see you. Um, so what are some of the reasons you think that people are not attending football games? I want to say, well, college football, I want to say it's different from NFL. That yeah. In college football, it, it, there is a good environment around being at the game. Uh, you got alumni there. People really have a connection with the school. And then an NFL team where people do have a connection, but it's more like, hey, uh regional kind of with college football is mm-hmm. I feel like it's more personal because there's some people that work for the school uh, work in the community that love the school but uh, reasons for the decline I want to say 2020 the during the height of the pandemic probably definitely has something to do with it but I know you said the issues before that mm-hmm. uh, probably just there being a better product on TV 
Yeah, and that's what a lot of people said was that they talked about, for some people, you look forward to doing the game day experience of like tailgating and being in the stands and stuff. But then other people, they now that the games are offered on TV and they can watch them from the comfort of their own home and they don't have to do tail, they don't have to navigate the parking, the dealing with the drunk fans and people fighting in the stands and mm. the crowds. Like, oh, I can just watch it at home and I don't have to take a whole entire day to go go to the stadium early, get my seat, maybe takes, you know, an hour to leave my seat at the end of the game and get to the car and get on the expressway to get home. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a big factor for some people um, as well. And then the other pieces that they, they said they like the SEC, for example, still has a very high number of fans that are going to the games. They're still in the decline, but they have more than other um, places in the country. But college football just isn't as big some places in the country, too. Yeah, especially if you're counting the attendance across the nation, yeah, like this was what this is doing. Uh, probably in the in different regions like the south and along the east coast, college football is going to have a bigger presence, and in some places in the Midwest. But like you said, yeah. once you get like past Texas and Oklahoma, it's like they're they're really outliers. Like on the west coast, yeah, it's definitely not as big. In like the east coast, like up there around New York and Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. maybe like Pitt and Penn State. But you start getting further outside of that, there's really not a a big collection. Like we love our college football, as you yeah. have like in the south and the Midwest. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I know, like, I would like to see what the attendance numbers are based on the areas where you see a lot of alumni live. Mm. So I think, I know, for example, um, I have some family who went to University of Miami, but now they live in on in Boston, and you have, like, a good number of, you know, people from the East Coast, like, uh, Upper East Coast who go to school in Florida and they migrate back home at, yeah. after. And so you have, like, higher concentrations of them. So, like, when you have a Miami game or a Florida game, those in, like, Massachusetts or somewhere, like, those games are packed. Those games are tend to be busier. But then over the rest of the, the, the season, they may not be as busy. Um, yeah. Yeah, probably then, then in terms of, like, the, say, the University of Tennessee, a lot of their uh, alumni still live in that region of mm-hmm. Middle Tennessee and East yeah. Tennessee in uh, Kentucky, so hey, they're they're just all going to the game. That's why they got a hundred hundred thousand people stadium. Yeah, and I also wonder. They didn't say this in the article, but I was thinking about like what could what else could have impacted this. I wonder if just weather and global warming and how if we think about how over the last few years weather has gotten so extreme, kind of during football season. So we've had days that have been way hotter than you would usually see in the fall. We've had like, some really bad hurricanes. Uh, so just thinking about like. Texas, uh, Louisiana, Florida, some of these areas where they've had extreme weather events, mm-hmm. um, uncomfortable weather, where maybe people didn't want to sit in the weather, extreme cold on the East Coast and in the Midwest, snow, blizzards, that type of stuff. So I also wonder how just the elements that you have to sit in to be at a football game maybe make like of course you got your fans who don't care but then you also have some people that are like on the fence about going anyway and then like oh it's gonna be 90 degrees we bought these tickets thinking it was gonna be in the 80s in october and it's hot now i'm not gonna go sit out there you know yeah especially those early games you have like in uh, Mm -hmm. california and florida uh the late august early september i mean it's 95 degrees yeah you buy the tickets you're like okay i want to go but you you get there and it's like oh okay it's scorching hot and there is no shade like you're gonna you're gonna leave like I'm gonna you feel yeah. burn up and uh start cramping cause just just to see my team get blown out 
I thought it was interesting. They said in a championship year, Georgia lost attendance. Uh, and so it wasn't a significant loss in attendance, but you would think that in a year where they were a really good team, they would have been packed to the gills. It wouldn't have been an empty seat in the stadium, you know. Um, oh, go ahead. No, I'm going to say, I mean, and, and, and that's the year coming off the extremely a, a pandemic-affected year. So maybe you just have less people available to go to the games that would normally go. Yeah. Or, hey, we live, like, they play in Athens, Georgia. Typically, if you live in Kentucky, like, you usually make that trip but with all the restrictions with your job and have to yeah, adjust. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you just can't make that trip. People And people have less money because everything that's happened. So the comments um, section of this article had some interesting points as well. So uh, a lot of people mentioned you know, TV, just the convenience of being able to watch your game, but then also the other games. Like, you, I know when we watch, sometimes we flip back and forth between different teams, mm. and that's something you can't do if you spend, you know, if you're watching it at home. I think another benefit to TV is, like, if you want to watch it with your family, you don't have to worry about buying tickets for all your kids mm. and then having your kids in that environment. You just watch it at home and be comfortable and you know, you have your nice big screen or have a TV outside or whatever. I think a lot of people just have really nice, you know, home entertainment systems now. So it's just a more comfortable day. Yeah, it's like I got, we have a, if you have a 70 inch TV and you got a big mm-hmm. old couch, comfortable, hey, I want another beer. I can get up and get it. I don't have to pay $12 for an eight ounce yeah. beer. It's- Somebody else mentioned a really good point. They said, you know, with Alabama and Georgia dominating the SEC, some fans don't want to – it's not as enjoyable to watch your team not be good and get blown out either. Like, you don't want to go see Alabama destroy your team. And I'm like, yeah, that's also a good point. Like, oh, I'm going to go to this game. I I know we're going to lose to this really good team. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that was interesting. And then also there were people in the comments who talked about – being season ticket holders and change like canceling their season tickets because they felt like the value of the ticket wasn't what it used to be. So, um, less comfortable stadiums, more expensive food, uh, you know, less attention to like cleanliness in the bathrooms, $10 for beer. When I think, you know, people used to associate being able to go to a sporting game with at least football, I think in baseball with more affordable, like, Oh, I can go get a hot dog and a beer. And it's not gonna cost me thirty five dollars. And now it's like <laughs> it costs mm. you thirty five. <laughs> right. It's like I'm not. I'm literally paying thirty five dollars for a cheap hot dog on a soggy bun. Yeah. With some the nastiest catch because I feel like the the ketchup mustard to be at these stadiums be like the most generic you ever had, and it just mm. don't taste good. Especially that ketchup, just red sugar. <laughs> oh yeah, the ketchup is nasty. Somebody said the simplest simple thing for them was the parking. They just don't want to pay that much money to park. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I know like uh, for the, the the communities I've worked in, it is extremely difficult to navigate parking if you're trying to go to a college game. Like I know if you're trying to go to a, a professional league, they're going to have a parking lot that's across the street or whatever. That parking is going to be easy to understand and to navigate versus if you've got to go into a college campus to attend one of these games and then the parking is crazy and you don't know what the sign, what the lot is and you can't find it and there's no good directions. And then you, your car got towed and you got a, a parking infringement or whatever. So, yeah, I think some people just don't want to deal with the hassle mm-hmm. of, of even getting navigating a college campus and, and all those things. Um, yeah. and, oh, go ahead. No, I was just about to say, yeah, it's, it's disappointing because you got people trying to go to these games and 
like like you said, you you trying to spend uh you can get lucky and spend twenty dollars on parking, you can get unlucky and all y'all spending sixty dollars just mm-hmm. to park your car for three of y'all that wanted to go to the football game. Yeah. That's um, people talk about just a general anger with college football right now, be it, you know, the feed the coaches making millions and millions and millions of dollars and, you know, compared to the experiences of the students or them not being good and they don't like people them being bringing in coaches and making changes to teams that the fans don't agree with or the mm-hmm. alumni don't agree with. It's just, it makes it harder for you to shell out this money to go sit here and enjoy this game. Um, when you have bad feelings towards the team now, cause you want the team to do better. Yeah. And it's, it, and it's one of those also unfortunate things. I feel like, uh, not getting the whole, whole thing about the, they yeah. implemented the playoffs now, but one of the side effects probably was that, the bowl games already didn't matter for right. the most part, all those other bowl games. But now you have these bowl games that still kind of kind of matter. They call the New Year's Six Bowls, and they use two of those bowls for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But the, now the other four, like it's starting to mean less. More players are sitting out for them. So it's like you're watching mm-hmm. the whole season and halfway through, you're like, okay, well, we're not going to make it into the national championship because we already lost a game against a weak opponent or we lost two games. So it's like, ah, I might as well not go. Maybe my team will make yeah. it to these one bowls, but I, I'm not really invested as I would be uh, if my team was going to go to yeah. – had a chance for the playoffs. And then two more points before we wrap up the story. I don't understand what this one meant in the comments, but maybe you can you can explain it for us. A lot of people said that the college football is turning into the NFL light, like another version of the NFL, so they're losing interest. Um, it, Maybe they mean that the, the players are now – can easily move from team to team. Like before then, well, the coaches oh. always could, but now the players, mm-hmm. uh, they when they when they transfer, they get on that app. Yeah, they get on that app. <laughs> the era. <laughs> they get on the era. <laughs> but they, they get they get on the on the transfer portal, and before then, they had to sit out a year wherever you transfer to. So people still transfer, but it wasn't it was less likely you would because you now now I'm gonna lose a year of eligibility mm-hmm. having to sit out now. You get one free transfer. These these guys are gone. They're like, oh, you didn't let me play my freshman year. I'm going to somewhere yeah. else. No matter if it was because of my attitude or how I was playing on the field, I'm just going to leave and transfer. And, it, I mean, it makes it almost like how college basketball, like, these players leave. The, the best players leave so fast. Like, I, we didn't really get to know them. So, yeah, that's why. Yeah, that is a problem with college basketball. Well, not problem, but that is a, it's a, a feature of college basketball for sure. Yeah, like, back in the day, you had Michael Jordan and – all these guys staying for two to two to four years. Mm-hmm. You, you really get you really get to know them. Like man, that's that's and my see him guy. Grow and he had developed like a, a fan base mm-hmm. too. Like Zion Williamson. I mean, it was good. He had a good season at Duke that one year. But think about if he stays two or three years. Yeah, like, he, he become a legend there. Yeah, he's a Duke legend. It's hard to become a legend just staying there your one freshman year. One season, yeah. Yeah, like uh, what's my man Russell Wilson. Like, when people talk about him, they don't talk about him being a Wisconsin legend. Like, he stayed three years playing at North Carolina State, and mm-hmm. he had to transfer because the coach didn't like that. He played baseball in the offseason, which is stupid. Yeah. But he went to Wisconsin and was able to parlay that into the NFL. But he's not – nobody says, oh, man, he's a Wisconsin legend. They still say, hey, no, nah, he a North Carolina State legend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, I, and to wrap up, they didn't talk about this, of course, in the article. But I think – a big element too is when you go to HBCU games, you know what you, you know what people go for. You know what people go for. I know what they go. Man. The show, baby, the game, <laughs> the band, the majorettes, the drumline. 
the crowd, the music, the environment, the energy. And I'm not saying that that the PWIs and that like the SEC and the other football teams, they don't have like their chants and their 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 traditions that they do during the games. But I think if you have a team that is losing, it people will still go to those games for the experience and the fun and for the band most importantly. So like, you know, and I'm and I know that it's, we're not getting anywhere near the attendance. But I also think just the the fun of the environment may make it worth the parking and the other hassles of traveling for the game day um, as well. So just something to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something to think about. Yeah, you, go to, you go to one of these HBCU classics. Yeah, uh-huh. you can't go back to no regular game after you done watch the Battle of the Bands during the halftime show. Everybody's still in their seat at halftime. Yeah, yeah, we leave at, at we leave after halftime. Well, we go to the bathroom on. third quarter, yeah. but we gonna stay. <laughs> That's when I go get my second drink. But I want to watch the Battle of the Bands. Ooh, real quick, I remember one time going to a uh, the Florida Classic as a child. And they they already put extra time on the clock because where Bethune come in <laughs> plays fan music yeah. so they get so their bands can really go out and right, perform. Right. And when I tell you that clock hit zero, and I think the first band was still out there shaking the job, and I'm like, God, because <laughs> they know they know what the fans are here for. Like the football is cool, but we know we're here to have a good time and watch these bands. And this is their Super Bowl. It's mm. their time to show out. And once a year, you know, I get to have a moment. Um, even like senior night at HBCUs is a pretty big deal. So you will have those uh, games that, that people really come out to see the dance team, to see, you know, all these the Greeks and all, and all this type of stuff. So, um, yeah, that was, I just thought that was an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was surprised because when you watch the games on TV, you be like, I don't see an empty seat. <laughs> but, hey, you got one for us? Yeah, I do have one more story what? for us. Let me make a little a little quick story okay. before people gotta let's do things. Uh, but it's from the Guardian headline: Fury over reckless Tennessee bill that would class some gun owners as police. Oh no, <laughs> no, no, no! And I know it's been a lot of controversy in terms of this new bill they were trying to pass, and just the just to give it a little a little FYI. It doesn't give people like police powers. Like if you have a a, a license to carry a concealed weapon, all of a sudden you can't be out there trying to turn to Batman and say justice no. or be the will be now, the peacemaker. Are they gonna understand that? Because sometimes when they pass new laws, I feel like they should get on TV and have a press conference and explain <laughs> the laws with a PowerPoint and say this is what you can do, this is what you can't do. Because people just interpret things differently, you know. It, it definitely is because uh, according to what it is. It's, you pay like a, a extra hundred dollars and take a short course to get an enhanced gun carry permit and now it gives you the the you can now carry your gun in some in more places where you weren't allowed to before or where an officer could carry his gun now you you are able to carry yours and that's oh, that is okay. a concern okay. but that's that's more that that's what it is because I know some people were saying well, now these people could go out there and be the peacemaker and kick in doors and search warrants. Yeah, I'm wondering what the police feel about that because I feel like that, I know, like, from what we've seen on YouTube, because we went down to, like, a police impersonator rabbit hole for the last couple months on YouTube, but, like, it, it, they don't like it when people try to do their job. Mm-hmm. And then they have to come in and sort out what what happened and who was impersonating what and I think that's that blurs a line further of are you impersonating a police officer and misrepresenting yourself in in interactions with the public 
or are you following this law? And I feel like that is real grainy. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that could that could be dangerous but a public, but then also for the police officers who have to go into situations with this person who's, who thinks they acted as a police officer, you know? Yeah, because it, it, it's a situation now that it, it can be a place where generally nobody carries a gun except if it's somebody mm-hmm. who's identified as a law enforcement, and now you're giving uh, individuals the ability to walk in and have a gun, and if you're in that... If you're a worker in that place or, or somebody affiliated with that place, now you're going to be nervous. Like, is this person supposed to have a gun? And now you got to call police. Maybe you call police to the scene because you're like, well, people generally don't have guns here. They show up. Now they the, the police have to interact with somebody who is armed in a place typically nobody mm-hmm. has a gun at. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got to try to ask for your license while you have your gun because you don't want to violate somebody's rights with a, with a gun because NRA will annihilate you for violating their rights. And Well, I, and I feel like... um. Just thinking about the times when there have been shootings mm. in public and people have stepped up as good Samaritans to try to intervene and the police come in and they've shot that person thinking that they were the shooter. And then, I mean, this has happened to people of different races now, so it's not even just about that. But I think that makes it confusing because they see you with a gun, you the quote unquote good guy with a gun, but in their mind, okay, nobody's supposed to have a gun in this area. So you must be the shooter. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I understand why they want to pass that bill, but it's also, that's not a lot of money to take an extra course to get, to be able to carry your gun. And now you're making it, the situation's more confusing when there is danger. Yeah. Yeah. It's already, it's already, like you said, it's already hard to try to sort it out. It's a place that there's not supposed to be any, any mm-hmm. guns unless you're in law enforcement. Now I got to yeah. hope, I already got to hope that you, are you law enforcement? Like, I'm not sure I'm trying to make a call or make a play and it, why, why add extra stress? And this also comes on the heels. I think they already approved this one to give 18 year olds stability to, Apply Hell for their no. concealed carry permit. So you can't drink, you can't drink, but you can go get a concealed <laughs> carry. Yeah, we're talking about people whose brains are not even fully developed in terms of impulse control. Mm-hmm. Come on now, okay, I guess. Like you, you, you a high school senior? You and now you able to go get a able to go get a gun. So when so when your your girlfriend dumps you for somebody, you could just go shoot her new boyfriend. And then, oh, I regret it now, and I'm older. I understand. Yes, because you were a hormonal teenager. You shouldn't have had a gun. Yeah, now you bought the way for 15 years, and you gonna get out. Like, well, I guess I ruined most of my life. Oh wow. Well, good luck, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gonna have a bunch of bunch of the, the from the peacemaker, a bunch of white dragons going around trying to have their own justice. And you know what? It's uh, it's Sunday. We record in, in the morning, which we usually don't do. We got things to do, so we're going to have to wrap it up and say goodbye to y'all a little early today, a little early, mm-hmm. but we'll be back this weekend with some with some more minis and some more Reddit posts, mm-hmm. you know, some more tough takes. Yeah, we'll definitely be back, so thank y'all for coming here and enjoying us. Mm-hmm. Make sure y'all follow us at all those cool places in the description, and we'll catch y'all next time. <laughs>